You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hi, folks, and welcome to episode 21 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast, the show for May 2015. I'm your host, Bart Bouchotts. Joining me today, I have a fabulous panel, as always, although we're 50% Irish this week, um, and then 25% British and 25% American. So, uh, representing the American contingent, we have Adam Christensen from the MacCast. Hi, Adam. Hey, happy to be uh, representing the Americans. Yeah, Chris, for you guys, it's not a holiday today, is it? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Not that you're aware. Where is it? Those of us in the U. Well, those of us in Ireland definitely have a holiday. Uh, Gaz, you represent the UK contingent here. Do you guys have a holiday today? Nope. No. Aha. That was last week. <laughs> yes, last week. Oh, that's why my calendar and work had a, a mark on last week's Monday. <laughs> Disappointing, actually. Okay. Uh, and then finally, the second Irish voice is uh, Bren Finan from BrendanFinan.net. Hi, Bren. Hi. How's it going? Not too bad. And you're just up the road from me, a little bit closer to Dublin. Uh, yeah. But not within shouting distance. Not within shouting distance, although we could try. Um, yeah, I actually just came back from Belfast today as well. So Belfast, that has yeah, an so Apple store. Driving today. Yeah, I was in there. I saw an Apple Watch edition. I was about three feet away. Which is probably <laughs> not all that surprising to American listeners who can go to any Apple store. Did you actually hold no. an Apple Watch real? Uh, I did, but not in the Apple Store. I've got a friend who has one. Uh, it's got the Milanese loop, and I am in love. Okay, I have yet to actually touch one, but, well, so be it. Uh, okay, let's kick into this month's news. There will be more Apple Watch talk in a bit, but we have some other stuff to talk about first. Um, legal latest. Uh, some of these we can sort of rattle through, and some of them we might spend a little bit longer on. Um I don't mention every single time someone files a patent lawsuit against Apple because we just spend the whole time talking about it. But it, I do want to mention one that happened this month because it's a little bit different. So Open TV filed suit against Apple and Samsung. And what makes them different is that they are a company who actually use their patents. So they are asserting a patent they are using. And they also have successful licensing deals with companies like Disney, Google and Cisco. So this is not a patent troll. This is an actual intellectual property owner who feels that Apple is stamping on their intellectual property. So I'll be curious to see how that one pans out. It, uh, that's a nice change, really, isn't it? <laughs> it's pleasant. Yeah, it's kind of nice. I, all, the, all the news sites were sort of falling all over themselves. Saying, no, 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 this one's different. These aren't trolls. <laughs> um, the U.S. Court of Appeals upheld the fact that Samsung copied Apple but they disagreed that a Samsung should pay Apple over the trade dress claims. So depending on which website you read, the headline was either US court slashes, Samsung, or slashes ruling in Apple v. Samsung or US court upholds ruling that Samsung copied Apple. And they're both factually correct. And so I guess which way you wrote the headline gives an idea of the spin of the site writing the headlines. So, yes, they did copy, but Apple, or they only owe Apple $550 million now. Ish. <laughs> so. There you go. Uh, something I don't like at all. The fight between Apple and Ericsson is heating up. So, as Samsung Apple sort of kind of winds down, Apple Ericsson is heating up, and Apple and Samsung consolidated their wrangling 
to the US only, whereas Ericsson is doing the opposite and is spreading it international. So Ericsson has now filed suit against Apple in the United Kingdom, the Netherlands and Germany. So that is getting worse. I think that had been happening with Samsung beforehand as well, though, wasn't it? Before they just decided to to settle everything in, in Korea and the US. Yes, yeah, exactly. So with Samsung and Apple, it sort of expanded to a worldwide battle and then they both sort of decided that they'd fight it out in the US. And so it went expanded out and then contracted back in. Um, but when so Ericsson, it could be at the, at the beginning of this with Ericsson. Yeah, well, they are a couple of years behind. So yeah, I guess... That's true enough, yeah. This could, take, this could take some time. Yes, it could. <laughs> um, the employee poaching suit we've talked about a few times that was filed by the battery maker A123 has been settled out of court. So we don't know who gave who what, but we do know that it is no longer a court case. And finally, the US Second Court of Appeal has rejected Apple's request to remove Michael Bromwich. They've given Apple a slight (laughs) talking to for using the wrong appeals process and had some very harsh criticisms for Mr. Bromwich, who they still left in place regardless. And this was another one of those ones where... Different websites went with wildly different headlines, varying from Judge Scolds Apple to mm-hmm. Judge Scolds Bromwich, making it sound <laughs> like it went the opposite way. Um, I, ah, I'm not happy. Judge <laughs> Scolds <laughs> Apple and Bromwich, comma, accomplishes nothing. Yes. Yeah, I, get, <laughs> I get the idea that uh, Bromwich doesn't care if he has a stern talking to. No, I, for the whole time this has been going on, I have had this feeling that I knew that man from somewhere. And oh, during the month, I finally realized where I knew him from. He ran, he, he ran a government agency at one stage in the US and was interviewed on Rachel Maddow about the absolute shenanigans in the mineral something or other department that's responsible for supposedly collecting money for all the oil that's dug up. And the guy was a complete prat. <laughs> Like, surprise, surprise. Yeah. And for some reason, the Maddow Show showed a clip of a few years ago, and it was that interview, and I'm like, oh, my God, I, that's <laughs> where that name comes from. And, yeah, I don't like him anymore now either. Um, in the show notes is a link to a story on Fortune, which has gathered together all of the scoldings from the judge into one short-to-read article. So if you want to see what he got scolded about, um, you can have a read of that link in the show notes. It's a pretty great photograph, too. Is it just me, or does he look a bit like Jerry Adams? Yes. He looks like a really surprised Jerry Adams. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the beard helps. Yes. Salt and pepper beard. Yeah, I have a salt and pepper beard, and I don't think There's I... There's a lot of that. salt in there. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's the end of our legal stuff, so let us move into the actual fun stories. So... First up, we have a promotion for Johnny Ive, maybe, we think, sort of. Uh, uh, Tim Cook said promotion, so I think it's, well, his at least t- on paper, it's a promotion. It's definitely a promotion on paper because his title is now Chief Design Officer. And moving up from a VP to a C position is definitely a promotion. And Apple don't have a big history of many C positions. but it, it, Who, really? Hmm. Till now. Uh, well, well there's uh, a, a couple more, I think. There were a couple more. Gruber CEO, did a bit so, of digging. Yeah. Uh, oh, in the past or yes. currently? Oh, uh, yeah, I prefer no, it currently. Ah. Currently they have... CEO, they have... CFO, and now CDO. Did they make uh, Maestro CFO as well? Yeah, he's got a yeah. dual title. He's like VP and CFO. CFO. Okay. 
So they, yeah, because they didn't, rep- like Tim Cook was COO, but there's no COO now. So they, that title went away when Tim got a new job. Right. So they don't always keep him. Um, one of the things that's unusual about this story is how we were told about it. I mean, you know, I'm a huge Stephen Fry fan, but I don't expect him to be the source of breaking news on Apple. And yet he went off to the States to do a fairly fluffy interview with uh, Johnny and Tim, <laughs> wandered around the building site for a bit, took a few photos and told the world that, by the by, uh, Johnny Ive is now chief design officer, will be... Stepping away from the um, boring work of managing and travelling more, whatever that means. Well, he's got to go and see. He, he's got to go yeah. and see all those shop fronts that he's going to be populating with. Uh, you know, uh, you know, he's got to redesign all of the all the windows that you look in when you look through a. <laughs> there you go. I think he's already doing that. <laughs> but now he gets um, to go. See yeah, it's, a, them. it's an interesting. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Adam. <laughs> No, I was just saying, go ahead. Oh, okay. Bren, then. <laughs> just to get one of us started, I think it's an interesting kind of promotion where he has exactly the same responsibilities and less work to do. Yes. Yeah, you're right, actually, because he was the, he was the guy in charge of the, the design aspects of everything, software and hardware, and now he's the guy in charge of the design aspects of everything, software and hardware. Yeah, but, but they I, take away I, administrative I, stuff from him. Yeah. So I yeah. think he was doing a lot more management roles and not having as much focus on design as a person of probably his personality wants. Hmm. So hmm. I think he was getting yeah. bogged down and mired in the in the day-to-day stuff. And Johnny should be a big thinker. He shouldn't have to worry about those sorts of things, I think. Yeah. Well, maybe, I mean, maybe that's just kind of what they're telling us at the same time. But either way, it's, it seems like they're, they're get, kind of giving him more free reign to... Draw stuff. That's what designers do, right? <laughs> yes, ish. Or, or, or think think of stuff because he's got plenty of other people that can draw it. Yes. Right. True, yeah. So he just sits in his white room thinking. Directional. I, I imagine that more of a pine room than a white room, but yeah. <laughs> no, the way, I, the way I'm thinking about it is it's either one of two things. It's either a subtle step towards him leaving or an actual promotion. And... I wasn't sort of, I, I thought people saying the, the former were, were sort of, I don't know, just being silly, really. Um, but Gruber dug up a little bit of Apple history. Um, they had a chief software officer once who lasted eight months and then left the company. That was Avi Tavenian. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I just, I've been reading um, Becoming Steve Jobs, hmm. and I've just passed the, the chapter where he gets that uh, quote-unquote promotion. It sounds like that promotion came about with substantially reduced uh, responsibilities. That right. sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, but I think we're in a different Apple now, aren't we? Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, we are. I, I, I know. I just I think we should put the other alternative out there. I don't. I still don't believe it. No, but it is not impossible. I think. I think actually, long term, this could be the other, completely in the other direction. It's setting him up for you know uh, eventually to take over from Tim Cook. Uh, I don't think Johnny wants that either because, again, that's all administrative stuff. And I think he really has no interest in that side of the business at all, which is why I think this is actually a good, significant uh, change to the org structure. Because as some people have pointed out, this more or less puts Johnny in the position that Steve was in being sort of the the main creative uh, director of what's going on at Apple, you know, sort of coming up with the ideas and then, you know, delegating that out. 
And I also want to point out that it really does expand his roles. So while one part of what he's doing, I think, is diminished, it is expanding his roles into, it sounds like he wants to get into Apple's expanding their buildings. So some architecture stuff, it, it's going to let him expand where his design influence is going. Because really, I think with the last um, sort of change of the org structure, Johnny became in charge of, of hardware and software. And mm. I think that was taking all of his time. So now he's got, you know, these two guys under him, one's going to do software, one's going to do hardware. And then Johnny can look at the bigger picture across the board hardware, software, uh, retail stores, office buildings, yeah. you know, who but knows think, what else, signage, probably advertising, all those sorts of things. I think, Adam, he was he was actually covering a lot of that stuff anyway. Yeah, uh, but I don't uh, think as in, as in, as putting as, in as much time as he wanted on those other things, because, I mean, when you're doing that many things and you're in charge of all of it, um, and you, you're not, and you're, plus you're having to do all the administrative stuff. It's it just, you're being pulled in too many directions. That's I, my yeah. impression. I, I noticed there was something interesting that caught my eye in, in the, in the Stephen Fry article was that apparently the tables in the Apple cafeteria, cafeteria have been designed by Johnny Ive. <laughs> so he, yeah. he really does sort of like to get his hands into everything. Yeah. And I think he wasn't able to get into well, as many re- things from a design perspective as he wanted to. I was just going to ask, sorry, uh, Adam, I was just going to ask, no, no. were they really thick in the middle and thin at the edges? <laughs> I, they may have been, actually. <laughs> but actually, going back to your other point, though, Bart, at the start, at the start when you said, let's put this out there, that you know we've had um, C uh, people before that have then gone on to leave, hmm. you've got to ask the question, do you think Apple wants him to leave? Oh, God, no. Well, <laughs> no. Then, then, then if Johnny wanted to leave, he would have gone of his own fruition now. So if you think Apple want him to go, then that other statement, the earlier statement of, of putting that out there, I, I think is, is well, I agree with you. A well, unless he's decided that he doesn't want, maybe he wants to move back to England or something, and maybe they have come up with a plan that will cause the stock market not to implode. Yeah. Step one, announce on a public holiday that you're becoming a C-level officer. Wait six months, piss off. <laughs> well, I'd say the six months would be closer to a couple of years, but... Uh, possibly. I mean, I, yeah. I say I don't believe I, it, but it is I, still I, possible. I'm actually inclined to believe that speculation. I think it's going to be a slow exit, but I think it's going to be an exit. I think those other two that got mentioned, and actually it was pointed out in a couple of other places, they, they've they been mentioned a few times in articles over the last couple of months. Uh, and I think that what Apple is maybe hoping to happen is to kind of set those guys up as kind of the next sort of generation of Apple designers, uh, Apple heads of design of UI and uh, and hardware design. Possibly, I mean, they are there. I mean, they are already already in those roles. Anyway. Oh yeah, they are. Yeah. But, but they just have never been pushed forward publicly. So you have Richard yeah. Howarth and um, Alan Dye, and Howarth is going to be doing the the hardware stuff and. Die is the software UI, and I guess he's the guy that was mainly responsible for the Apple Watch UI, uh, Alan Die, and then uh, Howarth was, uh, I mean, he did the, t- one, of, one of my favorite things that uh, came out when this was reported was he did the Titanium PowerBook G4. Well, that's a nice awesome legacy. machine, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm not saying that they haven't been, you know, working at Apple before, but, or, or you know, doing these, these important jobs, but 
Johnny Ive has been the public face of Apple right. Design, and yeah, right. so, it's on the way out. It's important to get somebody else in who is uh, right. So, so, so to that point, then, Bren, um, watch out for the next keynote when they appear. <laughs> well, we'll see. My yeah, he's, he's, he's not stepping down until the first of July, anyways. So, or <laughs> stepping up or stepping stepping, up. stepping yeah. sideways or I, stepping. I, I, I didn't. I didn't say it's which a, keynote. <laughs> <laughs> It's that's a good point about the key, dodge. the keynote, though. You know, at what point if if we stop seeing Johnny in those you know videos. long videos about design, then I'd be a little bit more worried. Yeah, yeah. we've yeah. already I'll stopped just... seeing him. We we have to stop hearing him next. <laughs> that's true. true. Um, but my personal thinking is that I don't think this is a sign of him. My gut feeling is that I don't think it's him leaving. No. What what I see is the sort of a. a a finishing of the transition from Jobs' Apple to Cook's Apple. Um, if you imagine that in, in Jobs' Apple, there were two there were two people at the top of the ship who ran that as a team. There was one guy who was good at getting the practicalities done and one guy who was good at design. And it happened that the design guy was CEO and the practicalities guy was a C-level officer who's not CEO. And now we have two guys running Apple. One of them is good at the practical stuff. One of them is good at design. And this time it's just the other way around. The guy who's good at the practice of happens to be CEO while the other guy has a C-level position. And right. I see the two the two other guys as being the new Johnny Ives. We knew about Johnny Ive even when it was the, the, the Tim and Steve show. And so now we're right. just getting introduced to someone a little bit further down the work chart. So I, I see Apple being a lot more like it was again, if that makes sense. Can, can I say that actually I think um, this is not Tim Cook's Apple. This is the vision of Apple that they both put together because it quite surprised me the um, defense that they've put into place with the recent um, book attack. Um, uh, what was it? The Iverson? Not the Iverson book. You mean the, the attack you? of Steve Jobs? They loved yeah. becoming Steve Jobs. They hated oh, uh, Isaacson. The Walter Isaacson. The Isaacson. That's it. The, the, the defense that they suddenly put up for Steve. I, you know, I think if you made that comment to Tim Cook, he'd say, "No, no, no. This is not my Apple. This is the Apple that we set out to, you know, put forward um, before Steve obviously, unfortunately, left us." Yeah, I think he'd be wrong though. <laughs> well, you might. Yeah, I agree with you, but I, I, I think there's still well, a massive defense for the guy, and, and to say that he's, he's still in their eyes, you know the builder of what uh, what we see today. Oh, sure. Like, sure. I mean, there's a, a, corp- a major corporate culture uh, at Apple. and But I, I, Tim Cook's Apple is inevitably going to be different from Steve Jobs' Apple from whoever follows on next, assuming, you know. The well, it is. I mean, we know it is. It's more open. It's more involved yeah. politically. It's more involved uh, philanthropically. It, it has a different feel to it already, and it's only mm. been a few years. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's it's fully Tim Cook's Apple as it is now. Uh, whatever Tim Cook himself thinks about that. Well, Tim has always been the first to say that Steve told him not to think. What would Steve do? And I don't well, think yeah, he is. Right. I don't think he has one minute. I think he took that no, but advice I think, to heart. I, th- I think you're, you're thinking about this far. All right, you're, you're taking my view as being far too blinkered. I think actually that's exactly what they intended to do. Oh, yeah, to I agree. Mm-hmm. To, to completely open it up. I'm not saying, you know, they laid down a plan and Steve said, you're going to do this, you're going to do this. It, it, much yeah. more open. And I think that's where, obviously, they are with it. And I think it's, it, I, I think if Steve Jobs was about now, he'd say, brilliant, perfect. 
Well, the way I see it is that there were certain core values that that Steve has instilled in the company, which I don't think have been in any way compromised by the change. And that's what matters. So Apple is still about delivering a great product on the belief that the money will follow rather than going after the money and then in pursuit of that, trying to build a good product. It's they're continuing to be product first money will follow, which, which is how it should be. That's what makes them special. Any other thoughts on uh, Johnny's new job? Uh, no, just look forward to um, uh, an Apple table. An Apple. Well, yeah, apparently they already exist in Cupertino. So. <laughs> They're going to disrupt the furniture market next. <laughs> Watch out, Ikea. <laughs> yeah, look out, Ikea. It's a smart table. Well, if they're into cars, God only knows what's next. Um <laughs> Let's look. Let's move back to now and look at their current new baby. Uh, so there's not really one big news story about the Apple Watch, but there's been a lot of stuff happening with the Apple Watch. So I figure we should mush them all together into one section of the show. Um, so the, the first off, just some boring stuff. Tim Cook has said that Apple Watches will be available in store by June. Okay, great. If you happen to be in a country with a store. Um. <laughs> Oh, Bart. not that old Sorry. peanut. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep mentioning it until someone builds me an Apple store in my currency. They might having to cross over into the United Kingdom. Um, Consumer Reports tested 11 smartwatches and uh, they found that the Apple Watch was by far the best and they did horrible, evil torture to them, which is depressing to watch if you click on the video at 95 Mac. Yeah, what a shock. <laughs> yeah, they poked at it with sharp things. Oh, no, I mean, what a shock that they found it was the best. Well, given their history, I never know what to think they'll think. <laughs> oh, so yeah, Consumer Reports, you never know. Yeah, that's true. They, they were the iPhone 4 antenna gate people, weren't they? Yeah, but they were also the people who squashed floppy bendy gate. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. It's We haven't had a gate yet for the watch, so I'm sure someone... Well, maybe. Uh, scratch gate. There is a scratch gate. Is there? It's been largely... Is there a scratch gate? Yeah. No, the, so not um, much of a gate then. <laughs> on the the uh, stainless steel models because stainless steel will scratch so it's it's the metal on the edges will somewhat scratch um, but you take some stainless steel polish and you polish it out and you're good to go so anybody who has ever had a stainless steel anything knows that that's what you that's do that's a factor yeah so it's not really anything but people have tried to make it something oh, of course they have I ran it over in my car and it doesn't work anymore Kate well, there are there are a few gates. We'll get to them in a minute because there were a couple of wee hissy fits. Um, there's, there's things that have gone the other way, though, too. Like the waterproofing has been proven to sort oh, of yeah. be a lot better than what Apple is saying it is. Not that you should run out and, you know, Don't get, swim, swim yeah. across the channel with your Apple Watch on. But Same thing with the battery life, actually. Every report I've heard about the battery life is people saying, wow, I didn't expect it to last this long. Yeah. Well, the managed expectations on both of those counts, I guess. Mm. Yep. Under All promise, right. over deliver, yay. Yeah, but that's not their usual approach with battery life, I found. I found Apple to be more realistic than most, but that may be they're a low realistic, bar. realistic, but they don't tend to, tend to under-promise. True. Um, there has also been the first update for the Apple Watch, which apparently was quite a cumbersome process. Um, Adam, can you enlighten us as to how that update process went? Uh, cumbersome in... It wasn't really cumbersome for me. I mean... Okay. In terms of like how long it took to download or update or... Well, I know that Alison was complaining that she had to have the watch plugged in. The watch had to be more than 50% charged and... Yeah, yeah. She was complaining it was too many hurdles to jump through. But you don't seem oh. to agree. Well, 
Um, you mean, I guess the point being is you really don't want the thing to die when mm-hmm. it's doing a, you know, probably what was Bluetooth or, you know, Wi-Fi update, you know, because mm-hmm. you can't plug it in. It's not like you can connect it to directly to the thing. And I think the iPhone has similar. I mean, you definitely yep. have to have more than 50% yep. battery life. The different thing here was it that it had to be on the charger. Yeah, that was a little bit. I had to go get my charger. So that was a little bit of a hassle, but I don't know. I'm not going to make a big deal about that. And did it that. take long? Like when, when you did. set it off, how it long did it take? Took, it took a little while. I don't remember. It was so so long ago. I mean, I just set it on the thing and let it go. Um, you know, and then what what I think really the story is 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 it really faster or not as everybody is reporting. And I'm not 100% convinced that it's actually faster. Um, I think Apple did some clever things to make it uh give the perception that it's faster so isn't perception everything (laughs) exactly yeah exactly no i mean that's the point but like i think i i I haven't seen if anybody's actually done you know benchmarks of how things ran before and how things ran now and looked at what was going on so you know glances feel a lot faster but i think what's happening is is in the past you would get the little pinwheel so so the the display would sort of go black and you'd see this pinwheel and nothing would be on the screen. And then when the thing finally loaded or it's data loaded, then you would see it. Now it feels to me like what, they, what they're doing is they're bringing something up so that you see something right away and maybe not the data associated with it. And then in the background, it's sort of you know bringing things in. And I think they've done a lot of that. I think it was a lot of tweaking to caching and, and things like that just to give the perception that it's faster, which, again, as you rightly pointed out, means that it's faster. Yeah, I've long ago given up the idea that things like watches and and smartphones and things should be judged by how many megahertz they have or some sort of benchmark. If it feels quick, it is quick. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing we do with web, right? You know, you you learn to optimize your caching and squish things down and, Mm -hmm. you know, it it all feels faster or you progressively load things and it feels faster and people are happy. So that's all you need to do. Exactly. Uh, we should also mention that that update was, as well as being a bug fix and a make-it-feel-faster fix, it was also a security fix. So if you have one and you haven't updated, you should probably consider doing so for your own sake. What was the security part? I missed that. Oh, I did the usual no? patchy bugs. Okay. Um, so that's didn't know the watch every... vulnerable yet. <laughs> oh, but it's got, a, it's got a version of iOS on it, so, you know, it does that. Can it be crashed by a Unicode string? (laughs) I actually didn't put that into the show notes because I didn't think it was a big. It was that big of a story. No, it's not. Um, (laughs) Oh, the text message thing. Yeah, let me see. So, security content. (laughs) Security content of of watchOS one point oh point one. Trust policy. So they're fixing how it deals with certificates. Font parser processing maliciously crafted font file. May lead hey. to arbitrary code execution. Maybe it does protect. Maybe it does. Maybe it does. <laughs> uh, NS player misused to disclose information. Apple Watch sport malicious application able to determine kernel memory layout. Yeah, we don't what need to that? read through all these. You're gonna yeah, you get the basic. It's basically it, it's a standard it's Unixy OS software update. Yep. Cool. And ultimately, it's as weird as it is to believe, because I grew up with Unix machines being the size of a desk, that watch is a little Unix machine. It's, it's so cute. Um, something unusual happened. 
Someone from Apple told an actual journalist in front of a camera, on the record, something that was going to happen at WWDC. Yeah. Specifically, Senior Vice President of Operations, which is how I know that they didn't replace Tim Cook with another COO because he's a SVP of O. Uh, Jeff Williams told Moss, uh, Walt Mossberg at the Code Conference that there is going to be a native Apple Watch SDK at WWDC, and basically third-party devs are going to get their hands on all the cool stuff on the watch. So that's good to look forward to. Yeah, This is part of Tim Cook's new Apple, too, I think, is, you know, in the past, I think this stuff would have been le- leaked out as controlled leaks yeah. without a source. Yeah. And I think they're being a little more public about certain sort of major things. I mean, this is this is something that I think everybody was expecting. So I think they're kind of looking at what they've done in the past and go, you know, everybody knows we're going to do a watch SDK. We don't need to. We don't need to keep that behind. Don't need to pretend it's a secret. I think, yeah, yeah, I think even Mark Gurman uh, had something on this a week or two ago as well. So, but to to me though, that also means that by getting the watch stuff over and done with, so it's just a yeah, yeah, yeah event when it happens. Doesn't that mean we should expect some other cool, fun stuff? I hope so. Yeah, well, they they also uh, and you've got this letter in your show notes, but they also refreshed a couple of the Mac lines. So again, I figure, yeah, getting getting the little stuff out of the way. Kind yeah, of before well, the event means which the, is your typical week before uh, keynote sort of thing to do. Yeah, yeah I suppose they have done that. Yeah, but they've okay. never yeah, done it with an actual guy with a name. <laughs> they've done it by telling the New York Times to say someone said. <laughs> right. Yeah, usually, yeah. Steve Jobs was on the other end of the phone. Right. It was probably Steve Jobs on the phone to Walt Mossberg, but there was no camera. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Hey, Walt, I need you to. I need you to print this. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's, again, a subtle difference. Uh, So now we get on to the collective hasty fit the internet had. Apparently, it is a scandal that the Apple Watch does not have a feature that no other watch on the planet has. Because apparently Apple should make unicorns or something. So the Apple Watch doesn't have activation lock. And there's all sorts of practical reasons for that, because the thing actually can't talk to the internet. It can only talk to a phone that can talk to the internet. So how do you do activation lock? Not really possible. What it can do, or what it should do, is protect your data. And so actually, so the the, the quote-unquote scandal is that if you steal someone's Apple Watch, you can do a factory restore. But -hmm. the key point, if you happen to be the victim of such a theft, is that that factory restore will successfully wipe your data. So actually, the most important thing is being protected. That's your data. So I, I think it's a sign of Apple doing things well, but the internet thought it was terrible. Any other thoughts on this storm in a teacup? What does the internet know? <laughs> okay. Um, there was a second story which actually has a small amount of merit. Um, so while everyone was going, ah, the thing doesn't have activation lock, uh, someone else went, well, actually, there's also a subtle problem. Not a problem. Something to be aware of with how the, the watch does credit cards. So through Apple Pay. So the idea is that you set up your Apple Pay and then as long as the watch is on your arm, you continue to use Apple Pay without having to reauthorize it. And when you take the watch off, it locks and then you have to enter your password again and then you can do it again. But watches move up and down your arm, so you can't have the timeout for I have been taken off at zero or the watch would keep locking itself while you were jogging or whatever. So it's about a one second timeout. And apparently some pickpockets have been testing this. And if you're very quick at stealing someone's watch, you can get your finger onto the sensor within a second and therefore keep the Apple Pay active until the watch reboots or whatever. 
It's. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a really. I don't think it's a massive risk, but really, there's a very simple takeaway. If your watch gets stolen, go into the watch app on your phone and disable the credit cards. Yep. Problem solved. So that's a little public service Although, announcement. Hang on, if the watch doesn't have um, internet access, then does that work? Because it'll surely yes. still have access to your credit cards until. There's some kind of communication. No, because you're killing it at the bank's end. Remember, it's a communication between the bank and the watch. And so if you cut it off at the bank's end, the communication won't succeed. Yeah, it'll fix the problem because that token that is created will not be valid anymore. Sorry, when when you uh, release the the podcast version of this, can you throw in Alison's dumb question music uh, just before I ask that? (laughs) I don't do editing. (laughs) (laughs) This is live to the hard drive, as the old phrase used to go. And then from the hard drive to the internet, and that's the end of that. I, I think, Bart, you're going to get lots of these stories because people, are, yeah. they, they do it every time a new product mm. comes out, certainly from Apple. They, you know, every mm. tiny little possible issue, I'm not going to say gets blown up out of proportion. I am. Gets blown oh, yeah. up out of proportion. <laughs> it's Well, you remember that, uh, that group was offering prize money to the first person who could um, crack the fingerprint sensor on the iPhone 5S. That prize is still up for grabs as far as I'm aware. Oh no, the fingerprint sensor can be faked if you put enough time yeah. and effort into it. The point it can is, be faked with it can be faked with a copy of the real fingerprint, but I don't think anyone's actually managed to to get past it with a fake pr- fingerprint. If you no, see, yeah, yeah, what without well, knowing? Well, without from a photo having, of the screen. Yeah, well, yeah, well, hang on a minute, hang, yeah. hang on a minute. Without what do you mean? Without having access to any copy of the person's fingerprint? Yeah, that's what I mean. Right. Oh, as in some sort of distance attack where you haven't seen the device? Yeah. Ah, okay. But no, but again, it's fine because my house is less secure than Fort Knox. That does not mean that my house has a problem. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I'm just uh, throwing in another example of sure. you know, blowing things out of proportion. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's and that will always happen. I mean, it still happens with the iPhone. And, you know, you get a, a well, you get a, a new security update or new software and, and you know all the normal stuff comes out it's mm-hmm. it's expect it for the next uh year or so i think with the phone or with the watch yes um unless anyone else has any further thoughts apple watch related i'm going to move us along yeah what what was this and uh, adam as as you have uh on the watches what what is this about it not taking uh a reading of the heartbeat every short period into a slightly longer period right is this is this something blown out of nothing or because I, I yes hear... yeah it totally is uh, apple actually came out and officially said what's going on it was a change in the last software update so what was happening with the heart rate sensor when 1.0 came out was it would basically take a reading or attempt to take a reading every 10 minutes so if you went into the health data in the health app on your ios device you could look at the heart rate monitoring and you would see a consistent every 10 minutes uh, reading of your heart rate. Yeah. With 1.0.1, they now try and read it every 10 minutes as long as you're sort of not moving your arm, I guess, is what they've said. So if it detects your arm is moving about or something like that, it's not going to actually take a reading. And I don't know why that is. Maybe there's an accuracy problem if you're hand is actually moving around um maybe it's a battery life thing no one really knows and I, I guess that's the part of the story that is probably valid is apple hasn't explained why they made the change but so they did make the change but if you're so in can, the workout app it does still do yeah, the usual thing 
yeah, if you if you run the workout app, then it it's it's taking a heart rate every second uh, or mi- ha- partial parts of a second. I mean, yeah, you it's, had it's me, you had crazy. you had you had me concerned there because I thought mm, perhaps they've done that because they've got an inaccurate reading. That means when you're doing exercise and you most want the heart rate monitor monitoring. Oh, true. Yeah. yeah. No, so, so that's not so it. That's, I, no, I was just cool, cool. purely speculating well, that my... can't be it. So I don't know why. I'll throw something into the mix then. Maybe what they want is when you say you're doing a workout, they're measuring your heart rate while you're working out. And when you don't say you're doing your workout, they want your resting heart rate. Oh, maybe. Because then you have a baseline. Then it means something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, whenever I have to take a a blood pressure reading or a heart rate, they always say the best high match is when you first get up in the morning because you've you've had several hours of... (laughs) Relaxation. (laughs) Relaxation, so... Yeah, th- yeah. So if they would just come out and explain why they made the change and why it was one way before and why it's a different way now, that would kind of go a long ways to quell this. And I haven't seen anybody give a good reason. I mean, obviously, I have no idea because I just gave a really bad reason. So I, I would imagine at some point in the mix is a savior, a saving of battery life as well. Yeah, that, yeah, that was part of my initial speculation, but who knows? A lot of people just very were very upset because they felt that. With every ten minutes, they had more data if something were going on healthwise to, True. you know, share with their doctors. Yeah, yeah. Whereas normally they'd take it about every six weeks. <laughs> if even that, cons- I never, yeah. I never took my. Yeah, yeah. But those those who were concerned about it, you know, probably or even once a day. Now it's not taking it every ten minutes. They're getting or every second. They're getting. Cons- yeah. Okay. Yeah, move on. <laughs> yeah, on the on the grand scheme of things, I, I don't think there's much there there. No, no. Mm. Cool, thank you. Okay, a- any other watchy thoughts? Okay. No, I don't know why nobody's you know mentioning that you can totally trick the uh, the stand sensor, you know, just by like waving your arm around or what have you. When it tells you to stand up, <laughs> just <laughs> wave around. Hasn't that achieved the same goal of getting you moving? Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, but there's a lot of sensors like that, though, isn't there, Adam? Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> well, we we have our, our offices have someone thought it was great to have the idea of lights to turn off by themselves in an office. So what you see in our place is people randomly waving their arms around like fools when the light of the death goes out for no reason. <laughs> I have heard that um, that it's become commonplace in in meetings in Apple for people to just stand up in the middle of the meeting. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. I, yeah, I thought it was funny. Not sure I'd try that in our place. <laughs> yeah, see, I was just supposed to stand, but I just sat here and waved my arm around, and now I got my, you did it, you've moved. So, <laughs> good. Yeah, I had a friend who was driving uh, four and a half hours today and got tapped every every hour and just kind of waved at passing cars, I think. <laughs> you mean he didn't stop, get out of his car, stand up, get back in, and then go on? That's, you know, disappointing. I'd it like is, to see yeah, you try that. On, it shows on, a lack of commitment. Yeah, it does. I'd like to see you try that on, on the M50 around Dublin or the M25 <laughs> around London. <laughs> All right. We should okay. Move on. Let, let us move on into the end of an era. Gene Munster has given up on the Apple television. Although he didn't mm. get there by himself. Um, it took Carl Icahn to get us here. So as as is his way, activist investor Carl Icahn wrote a letter to Tim Cook by publishing it to the world because he's not really writing to Tim Cook, he's writing at Tim Cook, at best. Um, And he said that he thinks Apple shares are going to go way through the roof because Apple have this fabulous television on the way. And then the very next day, the Wall Street Journal ran a report saying that, yeah, no, Apple aren't doing that. And if anything is like the old-fashioned Apple where 
you know, the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal and get a phone call. That I think this smells, this reeks of that sort of old way of delivering news. But what the Wall Street Journal reported was that Apple had been working on a television, but they abandoned the project some time ago because they didn't find it compelling. And that was enough for Gene Munster to say, well, I was right, but I am wrong. So sorry about that. <laughs> Maybe he was right three it's, years ago. It's a horror. I think Apple was, you know, honestly, obviously they were thinking about it and they were looking into it. And then they realized that what a horrible business to get into. Mm. The problem is that providers, and unlike the music industry, they don't, they're not dead enough to need Apple's help. Well, and how often do, I, I think the other thing is how often do people buy a new TV? I mean, I think if, if people are already banging on about the fact that Apple can't sell enough iPads because people don't upgrade mm. frequently, what's it going to be like with a television set? Yeah, I think they're, they're in the best place they can be actually with uh, when it comes to accessing your television with the Apple TV box you've got at the moment. Well, I, um, yeah. I also think televisions as in a box that sits in your living room may not be with us for that much longer because the younger generation seem quite happy to watch videos on their phones and their pads and their tablets and things. Mm-hmm. And I know in our house the television is on about once a week. Maybe that's maybe our house too. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't generally use the actual TV unless it's once in a while to watch a movie. Can I say our TV is on all of the time, but it's showing photos that are delivered to the Apple TV. <laughs> <laughs> So it's the world's biggest electronic picture frame. <laughs> yeah. well, Doing your part for the environment, right? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, I thought given how much time we've heard about this bloody television television, I thought we should mention the demise of that particular rumour. So, End yep. of story. Yeah, End of, yeah, yes. Double underline. feel kind of bad for poor Gene? <laughs> no, I thought he was no. gra- graceful in his... Uh, yeah. Except Victor, he was saying it before Gene was. That's true. <laughs> Poor Victor Cahillao has, he was podcasting, then he took a massive hiatus and has come back to podcasting, and all that time he's still been hoping for an Apple television. <laughs> Very sad day. Yeah, sorry, Victor. I, I don't know, I, I still think the idea of having a little puck to make any TV work is a much better model. Because yeah, yeah. it's just a, just a pity that nobody's making TVs that are as as, as well, high resolution, I suppose, as Apple would. It's called the 27-inch iMac. I still Sorry. imagine a, a route that Apple could go if they really wanted their technology in a TV. Like if they get their TV streaming TV service coming and that turns out to be a huge success and all these sorts of things, I could see them going out and working with certain TV manufacturers to you know bundle the functionality within their sets and just sort of providing chips and a platform something, that could be built like in. Something like Rocker? Uh, I, I don't no, know, Adam, I'm, because if it's not physically separate, it can't be easily upgraded. And the life true. of a television is so long in comparison to the life of Another one of those little point. boxes. And only this month, uh, yeah, uh, sorry, Google proved this, just underlined this point for everyone by killing the API used by a whole batter of smart TVs. <laughs> yeah, true, the, the YouTube thing. Yeah, no, I was just saying if Apple were to ever, I don't think they're going to make their own TVs. If, if it turned out at some point this was a business they wanted to be in, I think that would be the better route for them to go. I'm not saying that they would, but I'm saying like if, if yeah, I were them, the best that's option. what I would consider. Yeah, if, and I, but I think they looked at the whole thing and just went, no, it's ridiculous. We're going to keep making the, the little box that plugs in. Yeah, yeah to, to me, it, it's all that makes sense. And I'm very happy with my little black puck. It'll do just fine. Apparently, it would be it's funny if they trolled us all by announcing it. Sorry. I... 
I think I think I think Adam actually that you you made this point and it's something that I thought about well, a little while ago as well. But you you came up with the point that actually there's there's a semi expectation that it could become one of the data sources for uh, the automated home as well. Yeah, a lot of people are believing that uh, it will function as a HomeKit hub. We haven't really seen proof of that, but no. No. It makes it makes the most sense, I think, if you're going to have one thing that's sort of controlling everything and has Siri integration um, for your home, that it's the thing that sits in your living room. But, yeah, I, I suppose the other potential device that comes to mind would be the Airport Extreme, but maybe if yep. it's going to have the voice bit, then you're right, it, it's the telly. Yep. Uh, either or. I mean, I've also speculated that they could combine, you know, the... The TV functionality and the Airport Extreme functionality into a single sort of connected home box or something like that. I don't know. I don't know I, if there'd be any value in that or not. I was going to say, I, I have a piece of junk, or I had a piece of junk like that from my cable provider. It wasn't made by Samsung, and it was awful. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, I, I cancelled my telly. That's how much I care about television. Um, so that horrible box from Samsung is gone, and there's a n- tiny little modem here instead now. Anyway... Uh, I am going to move us on to the last of the main stories, which is, I argued with myself as to whether or not I'd count this as a main story, but feck it, I was cranky, so in it went as a main story. (laughs) It's my show and I can do what I like. Um, So, at the time when 10.10 came out, a lot of people said that it was, Apple were slipping. There were more bugs and it was less stable and the experience was less good. And... 90% of those problems were down to one very deep down, very nerdy under the hood change. For as long as I've had Macs, the process that's been responsible for your Mac's ability to turn names into IP addresses, be that... You know, other Macs on your network showing up in the network places in the Finder, be that your Apple TV being automatically detected for AirPlay, be that a web address being turned into the IP address that your browser actually connects to. Anything to do with naming stuff was always done on the Mac by something called MDNS Responder, which is a little demon that's always running. And with 10.10, they took MDNS and they retired it. They sent it off to the big bit farm in the sky. And they replaced it with a new agent to do the same sort of work, and it called it Discovery D, the Discovery Demon, which sounds good and well, apart from the fact that it was bloody awful. So you know you have been suffering from Discovery D if your Mac now has a bracket and a number after its name. Your Apple TV has a bracket and a number after its name. Safari hangs and makes your system get all screwy for a half an hour. Basically, a whole batter of random errors in your system are being caused by the fact that Discovery D is a giant crock of poop. And this is so far sounding like a bad news story. Uh, until the beta for 10.10.4 came out. And uh, Discovery D is gone, and MDNS Responder is back. So it looks like Apple have done a U-turn. And really, which whoever ran the team for Discovery D, I, they had a lot of humble pie for eating there. That, that just yeah. was not a good project. The, the thing that gets me about this is, why was it in there in the first place now? I mean, obviously mm-hmm. they felt they needed something different in Yosemite for some reason, but the fact that they can flip it around and completely do you know a, a turnaround like that, and I think even a lot of people who were running into Discovery D problems even 
found ways to sort of revert back to and DNS responder and disa- disables discovery D without issue. So what the heck was the thing built for? <laughs> <laughs> Something else in the future, which we're not aware of. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, the, the thinking at the time was that discovery D was needed for handoff and all of these new features where your devices would seamlessly interact with each other. Right. But that's not true because handoff and all of those features are still just fine in 10.10.4. And I believe even the people who manually removed Discovery D and compiled from scratch and installed MDNS Responder also right. found that their handoff was working fine. Yeah. So what was what the heck? Yeah. So I, has I, has uh, MDNS Responder in the beta of ten dot ten dot four? Is that exactly the same MDNS Responder? Or my suspicion is it's not quite. But yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm, that's yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Brent. Uh, but I, I would imagine. I mean, even if even if it wasn't replacing Discovery D, it would still have had a year's worth of tweaks anyway. So it's it's, well, it's yeah. unlikely to be exactly the same. But it does appear to be largely the same, and it appears <laughs> to work, which is pleasant. The other annoying thing about this Discovery D thing, and this was pointed out to me because I was having a lot of problems just with general, you know, like system issues, like beach balls and slowdowns and things that you would. You normally look to other places and then somebody or I was reading a forum, I don't remember, I saw this, somebody rightly pointed out because so much of our Macs now are uh, connected into cloud services. Mm -hmm. So I've got a million things running, you know, between Dropbox and my crash plan backups and all sorts of things that need to connect to the Internet. Yes. Um, when your ability to resolve internet addresses goes bad, suddenly all kinds of other bad things, like there's this cascade effect, right? And yeah. You don't really know because everything's trying to connect and timing out and it's all doing it at the same time and suddenly everything's running slow and you just have no idea why. And of course, you know, when you reboot, guess what? Discovery he gets rebooted and everything's fine again. And then <laughs> yep. eventually it all goes south. Yeah, it's... So. Yeah, it, it, it's... In our modern connected cloudy world, name resolution is one of the single most important things under the hood in our system and Discovery D was awful at it. And yep. so a lot of a lot of nerds are crying with joy and a lot of users will be finding their Mac strangely more responsive in the near future. Yep. Let's hope it comes out sooner than later. He is hoping. Indeed. Okay, well, that covers the big stories, but there were a few other little bits and bobs that I thought we should have a quicker chat about before we wrap up the show. Um, Bren, I think you've already mentioned that I was going to mention (laughs) that Apple have bumped a few little bits and bobs of hardware. Uh, So the 5K iMac, the existing model, which was 249, is now coming down to 229. And they have added a second 5K iMac to their lineup, which is starting just under the $2,000 mark at one nine nine nine. Did I hear right, though, that though the price of uh, in Euroland, the price of uh, Max went up? Yes. That wouldn't surprise me because... Because the exchange rate. Yes. Apple did an exchange rate adjustment for the strong dollar in a number yeah. of countries, most of them in the EU. Um, so, yeah, the pricing actually, while it dropped, it went, for, especially for us in the US, it went up slightly in uh in many of the european european union countries yep yeah it's kind of annoying that the euro is getting so weak i'm not sure if it's a strong dollar or a weak euro but either way the it's it's both possibly 
Um, it's just something that Apple always does. I mean, it, it often yeah. up, upsets people, and I they, understand I, I remember so, they, but... they used to do it a lot more often, I think, a lot more often. So whether yeah. it's just been stable for the last number of years, I don't know. Our currencies haven't actually been jumping around that no, wildly. It's no. only in the last couple of months I've noticed. I have I have a fair few bills for, you know, nerdy, hosty, techie stuff comes from the US, and they've all been becoming steadily more expensive. It's very annoying. Um... Also, the MacBook Pro with Retina got some slightly better specs all around and a force touch trackpad, which is nice to see. Yeah, another nice thing on that that was discovered, I think unlike the, for some reason, um, one of the other models, I want to say the 5K iMac, but the the 15-inch the MacBook Pro, if you go for the one with the discrete graphics card, mm-hmm. um, can actually drive the 27-inch Dell 5K display. Oh, yeah. So sweet. So you can have a 5K MacBook. Yep. <laughs> but not carry it with if you. you're willing to. Yeah. <laughs> um, another story I wanted to touch base on again is this pseudo battle between currency and Apple Pay. It's not really much of a battle because, of course, currency is still vaporware, and Apple is actually Apple Pay is actually being used. Um, oh, I see an interesting typo in my show notes. Apparently, Hope Depot, which I don't think they've ever been called before, <laughs> Home Depot, uh, they caused a bit of a stir when initially it looked like they were killing Apple Pay. So they, they were rolling out new terminals, and those new terminals weren't working with Apple Pay. But Apple Pay was only working by accident in Home Depot before. And once the press went nuts, they went, no, 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 no. We're actually trying to do it properly. We're getting in touch with Apple. We're going to do it for real. So it's coming back, don't panic. So that that's good. Um, and Target's CEO also said that he would like Apple Pay in all of his stores. And again, Target were supposed to be one of the people in the Currency Alliance. So I, yeah, I think Currency I mean, is, 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 is DED. Yeah, I mean, yeah. these two plus Best Buy uh, doing the same thing. You know, yeah. sort of says because the currency rules the way they're written. Uh, both Best Buy and Target, as far as I know, still are part of the Merchant Commerce Exchange. The, mm-hmm. you know, the people behind currency, but they, um, under their terms, they can do other payment platforms. But if they do, they can't use currency. So by implementing Apple Pay, it you know locks them out of using the currency technology. So it's kind of weird. It's kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? Good win for us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The currency is horrible. If you look at the process of how it works. Well, it doesn't work yet, of course. It's an entirely hypothetical. But, yeah, their plan for how it works, it's all based on um, 3D barcodes. You take a picture of this, and you take a picture of that. And And then you hand your phone over to the clerk, and they take a picture of that picture that you just took. I don't know, it's weird. But it's yeah, also the guy it's, behind you in the queue lynches you. Right, but it's even worse because Apple Pay is designed to protect your information from the vendor and right. currency is designed to give the vendors all the information they want. I mean, why would an end user want to be involved in the identity stealing one? Pro- uh, the, prob- the problem is, though, Bart, a lot of end users don't know. Of course. They, of course. They, they, need, they need direction on stuff like this and they need people to take action. Yeah, so those end users are going to not use it because it's bloody awkward. Yeah, so now that you bring that up, something that broke this week too is that Apple may be planning to add some sort of uh, incentive or a rewards program to Apple Pay. Hmm. And I was trying to resolve in my mind how that works with their privacy thing because one of the things that was being mentioned would be that retailers would have iBeacons or other things that would offer you up coupons 
uh, in exchange for paying with Apple Pay. And I'm assuming there'd be some data going back and forth there um, about, you know, you being in the store and you using the coupon. I mean, retailers generally want that sort of thing if they're going to offer discounts. So I'm curious to see how Apple rolls that out or spins that out in terms of, you know, privacy. If it's, well, hey, you're going to opt in to sharing some of your data. It all depends how specific it is, Adam, because if it's a, oh, you're an Apple user, you're in this store, we have a coupon for Apple users, then it's fairly generic. It all depends how specific it is to the user, of course. It depends on whether you, you end up being assigned a permanent ID that doesn't change as you go from store to store. Yeah, it'll it'll just be interesting to see how Apple resolves that. You know, yeah. because I haven't read those stories, actually. Yeah. I mean, generally, that's the trade-off with retailers, right, is I'm going to give you some of my information and let you market to me, and you're going to give me a discount. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's mostly how those rewards programs work, as far as I know, currently. So I don't oh, know it's how, how yeah, it's, to change that. You know, the reason they want you to use a loyalty card is so that they know everything you buy, and so they know exactly how to target you. Because right. they, you, they post you out some free coupons and then whet your appetite with lots of other stuff. Um, the other story I thought we might check in on um, is, again, not the world's biggest developments, but worth checking in nonetheless, is the uh, growing relationship between Apple and IBM. So uh, two stories here. So the first is that the enterprise apps, some of them got an update where they got Apple Watch support. So that means that IBM is now selling Apple Watches to large corporations. And if they're selling Apple Watches, they're also <laughs> selling iPhones. Yeah, well, they were selling iPhones and i Well, was it just iPads or was it iPhones and iPads? I both, it was, I think. Oh, was it both? Oh, okay. Well. Yeah. So I mean, when, most. I think it was most that when they marketed it, it was mostly focused around iPads. I think you're yeah. right. But. Yeah, but obviously, there that is branching out into becoming basically IBM or, or Apple's bridgehead for all of their products into the corporate space, which is interesting. And IBM employees get to have a slightly happier life. They can all now choose to be a Mac or a PC. Yeah, didn't didn't they have a? You can bring your own Mac. To they, work. Yeah, they had a BYO M, yeah. not BYOB. <laughs> that's a different thing. Uh, uh, BYOD, I believe, is the fancy techie term for it. To bring your own yeah, device. Yeah, device. so they had a BYOD thing where you could bring whatever you liked, really. But now, if they are buying you a machine, they will buy you a Mac if you ask them to, which is nice. Cool. Um, also worth mentioning, just because it, it fits into this whole thing of Apple being more involved politically, Apple, Google, Yahoo, Facebook, Twitter, and the EFF, a whole bunch of security people all got together and wrote a, pre- a letter to President Obama saying, don't do that whole backdoor thing. I'm not sure it'll achieve anything, but it's good to see Apple being on the right side of the issue. It's nice to be, see Apple being on any side of the issue. Right, yes, exactly. So it, it, it's good to see them lobbying a little bit for, for us, their users. Yeah, I don't see any well, of that sort of action going on in the UK, Mr. Cameron. I'm afraid Cameron has a slight problem that they bloody elected him, so he now has a mandate to do his carry-on. Uh, anyway, move off from that. Yes. Yeah. It's even more yeah, frustrating we've, for we've me who didn't get to some of the problems over here, I think, but anyways. Oh, yeah, let's not mention that. Well, the, the, we had a very successful referendum, but not so much elections. We tend not to do well at this. No, no, I mean in terms of, uh, in terms of politicians and, and computer privacy and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, no. Glass houses, stones, etc. Oh, that's it. Well, we're all in glass houses and well-armed. <laughs> yes. Um, Another story I thought was worth briefly mentioning is that Microsoft uh, feel that Siri is just not good enough and Cortana should come along to iOS and while they're at it, Android as well. 
obviously it won't be able to integrate nearly as deeply as Siri, but it's an interesting idea to see Microsoft bringing that kind of technology to Apple users. I love what Microsoft is doing right now. Sorry. I'm really happy with the direction that they are moving in, going back to being a very software and services focused company um, Mm -hmm. and not worrying about all this hardware junk and just like, we're going to get our stuff everywhere and we're going to make it actually work really good everywhere too. I mean, I'm running the latest version of Office, the, the public beta one. It's great. I like it a lot. Well, the thing I like most about the new Microsoft is that it is no longer, they are no longer beating themselves over the head with Windows. Yep. Because the the, the Windows faction in Microsoft was so overpowering that it was killing every good idea because if it wasn't Windows, it wasn't happening. And that, that, that attitude appears to be well and truly gone. So good for Microsoft. I mean, if you look at how it just, do a search for Microsoft in the App Store and look at how many mm. iOS apps they have now. It's unbelievable. And a lot of them are very, very good, depending upon what you're doing. Yeah, they spent so. a lot of time buying up a lot of, uh, of third-party apps. I can't remember. It was Sunrise Calendar, I think, was one of theirs. And they converted it into, into Exchange Calendar. Or I, I don't know Microsoft stuff. But, um, well, they tend to have know, more than one app for everything. Uh, uh, true enough. But, they've, but they've, they've bought a lot of pretty well-established uh, iOS productivity apps and kind of taken them in and, and made them like exchange used to be called something else. And so did, uh, what's their mail? Well, there's an outlook version Out- as well. Yeah. And outlook was also, was also something that they bought as a, as a third party thing, which I think is exactly the right approach because they're so far behind on developing their own apps that it's easier for them to just buy an existing app and ad- adapt it into their own infrastructure. Yeah. I mean, I don't use Outlook, but I've heard people say that the latest Outlook client, even on like iOS, is very mm, good. Same as that, yeah. It's, uh, we, we recently rolled out Office 365 to 10,000 students and kind of an interesting experience from, a, from an iOS client point of view. The problem is too much choice. It's actually very hard to give good information because you can use Mail.app or Outlook or another one. It would actually be nicer if they had one really good app instead of three. <laughs> so, oh, well. They're still making progress. I mean, yes. it's much better than the Balmer uh, Microsoft. Oh, God, yeah. Yes. Like, yes. Leaps and bounds, in my opinion. Yeah, 110% agree. Um, finally, finally, if you want a little bit of entertainment about, what, 30 seconds worth, uh, the first trailer for the Aaron Sorkin Jobs film is out. It's a teaser trailer in every sense of the word. Uh, I want more. (laughs) You know, my frustration with that trailer was the internet going off at how great that was. It was, it was just... This is the greatest trailer ever, and it's like, it's voiceover of Steve Jobs' quotes. So, yeah, it's great because they're great quotes from Steve Jobs. But, I mean, that's the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, Not, maybe uh, if I the, guess I should have said spoiler alert. Now people don't have to go watch it. You spoiled the 30-second teaser trailer. <laughs> but, no, if the, ta- if the trailer's job is to make people want to see the film, it is a runaway success. Yes. Yeah. But all it will do is make you want more. <laughs> you, you won't be satisfied with the trailer. It won't make you feel, oh, great, glad I watched that. You'll be like, oh, no, but I can't watch the film yet. Anyway, it's it's worth seeing. Um, you don't even annoyingly you don't get much of a look at Fassbender's jobs, which is I really wanted to get more of a feel of that. But oh well. isn't it? I'm trying to remember. I know I shouldn't give it away. Well, is spoiler. It, I'm, spoiler. Turn this off right now if you don't want to hear what it is, because I want to ask this question. Because my memory of it, because I only watched it once, is isn't it sort of him on stage uh, 
doing a keynote with the voiceovers and you just kind of see him uh, from behind and he's, you know, backlit. Yeah, I you want the I camera to pan him. around and it just, fuck it, doesn't. <laughs> uh, I, okay. I think you see him once for like a quarter second from yeah. the front. It, it's just, it really leaves you hanging, frankly. Could you say it's teasing you? Yeah, I really could. I felt very teased. Went in. <laughs> the, they gave a re- they have a release date now too, right? I'm sure that October. was in the trailer, and I never even noticed. Oh, yeah, October. <laughs> October, cool. October. We'll have another another version of OS 10 by then, hopefully. Anyway. That brings us to the end of our stories for this month. Just a quick reminder that uh, June is WWDC month. Uh, June 8th is the day it all kicks off. And the Tim Cook keynote will be at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, we don't know for sure it'll be live streamed, but I think it's a reasonable guess. So set your watches for that one. So uh, 8th of June, 10 a.m. PST, which I th- can't remember what time it is here in Ireland. Probably is it 6 p.m., Bren? Uh, 10 a.m. sounds about right. It does, doesn't it? That's 18, 18, take away 12 is 10. Yeah, that works. Yeah, that's probably about 6 o'clock our time. Do you say 18 take away 12 is 10? Yeah, no. <laughs> take away 8 is 10. <laughs> eight hour difference. Oh, never mind. I hate time zones. Mm. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of the show. Just a reminder that there are detailed show, or there, there will be, by the time you hear this, detailed show notes for all the stories we have talked about over at lets-talk.ie. While you're over there, while you're reading those lovely show notes, you might notice to the right of your screen there are two large blue buttons that say support the show. I would very much appreciate it if people would support the show. Um, those of you who are already Patreon subscribers, thank you very much. You, the, the regular income from Patreon is what makes it possible to keep doing this show because there are monthly bills and having monthly income to put towards monthly bills makes life much, much easier. So uh, thank you, guys. You make it possible to keep going. And also, if you can't help out in any sort of financial way, just go to iTunes, write a nice review about the show, and that is every bit as much appreciated. Folks, panelists, you guys also make the show possible, and I really appreciate you guys giving so freely of your time. Um, going in reverse order, Bren, would you like to tell people where they can find out more? Uh, yeah, I'm brendanfinan.net and brenfinan on Twitter. Well, do you want to tease them a little bit about what they might find when they go there? Because the name doesn't really tell you very much. Well, that's true, and I probably should get around to relaunching that thing that I've I've been talking about relaunching. But anyways, yeah, I mostly write a, a classical music blog. Uh, and my Twitter is just random brain imaginings. <laughs> random brain imaginings, very good. Yeah. Uh, and I just just to say that when Bren writes about classical music, it's for human beings, not for snobs. Just point that out. <laughs> I try. I, I think you succeed. Mm. Unless I'm a snob. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, Gaz, would you like to uh, plug some things? Yeah, yeah I, I'm glad you said some things there. Good, well <laughs> <Yes>. done. Uh, <laughs> I think you know what's coming, don't you? Okay. Um, of course, you can find me and uh, a gentleman called Guy over at mymac.com. Uh, we are part of the Stoplight Network, as is this show, I believe. But That is true. But one thing I'd like to uh, uh, actually uh, 
tell everyone about if you've not already heard, but we're trying to keep the momentum up, and that's about the Mac Stock Conference and Expo up in Chicago on June twentieth. It's being, uh, it's basically been hosted by a guy called Mike Potter, who I started podcasting off. Uh, within back in 2008 um he barry folk who is having a uh barbecue in the evening that same day kind of started the idea off and he and uh mike have been speaking with each other for a long time about uh, doing something since macworld disappeared and um it's kind of happening so go over to macstockconferenceandexpo.com and also probably over to midwest macbarbecue.com that's bbq.com one site points to the other so if you find one you can go to the other so uh, go over they've got sponsors Um, Don McAllis is going to be going over there as well so Screencast is sponsoring it OWC is sponsoring it Mac Alley is sponsoring it ProSoft is sponsoring it the Data Rescue Centre Boink Software and uh, there is a bit of difference between the two venues so uh, actually uh, Route 47 Transportation Group are sponsoring it as well so (laughs) that's enough of me I was just going to say, so basically you get a day of cool Apple Apple stuff followed by an evening of food and more Apple stuff. So Yes, yes. And there's, some, there's, there's some good speakers there. Obviously Mike's going to be speaking there, Dave Hamilton, Chuck Joyner, Julie Keel, Gene uh, McDonald, uh, Tim Robertson, Guy's going to be talking, Alison's going to be there. Yeah, it's going to be great. The first of many, we hope. Well, you know, there's a hole there. There, there is definitely a void to be filled with the death of Macworld, so fingers crossed. Yeah, but no, but seriously, best of luck with that event. I can't make it, but it sounds like next so time. much fun. Next yeah, I can't make awesome. it either. I'm a little bummed, but maybe next year. Yeah, pretty much well, every other I Mac think... fan on your continent is there, Adam. I mean, <laughs> I think I think it's going to be a success. So if it is, he'll definitely try and arrange another one next year, and it probably might be more arranged with uh, a venue uh, for a barbecue at the same time with with Barry. Because uh, yeah. yeah, should be good. There's a whole East Coast, West Coast thing in the U.S. I mean, we're a pretty darn big country. So. Yes, true. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's about somebody. as much distance between New York and L.A. as there is between Dublin and New York. <laughs> anyway, Adam, would you like to uh, plug any stuff you do for people who want to hear more? Sure, yeah. People can check out uh, my show on iTunes. Just search for MattCast. Uh, you can check out MattCast.com. Uh, I also do a couple other shows, uh, the Mac show on British Tech Network, so you can check that out, and also the iOS show at the iosshow.com. I do that with Michael Johnston and uh, Jeff Gamut. That's more iOS-focused. Um, and then I guess the only other thing is uh, the MacCast is now on Spotify. So if you're on Spotify, uh, you can go into the – and you have the new UI, I guess I should say, that's available for um, folks who are on iOS – uh, you can find it in the new shows section if you have the new user interface. So cool. there you go. Uh, we should also say that both myself and Adam are members of the Mac Roundtable. And uh, <laughs> since since the last time this show came out, the Mac Roundtable managed to uh, blow the dust off itself and get an episode out. Now, oh, I'm there not is a new it, episode? There is a new episode. Well, the, the new yeah. as in, in the last month. I think it was two or three weeks <laughs> ago good. there. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I enjoyed listening to it. I wasn't on it. I didn't. Uh, time didn't work out for me, but it, it was a good show. So that's over at uh, themacroundtable.com. Or is it MacRoundtable? Is there a there? MacRoundtable. Just MacRoundtable. MacRoundtable.com. So check out that, and hopefully we will get more of those out in the next while. Okay, folks. Reminder, show notes over at letstalk.ie. Until next time, happy computing.
You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. <sighs> What's wrong, guy? Oh, just thinking about how much I miss the Macworld Expo. The fun, the sense of community, the presentations, the people giving out great information about what's going on in the Mac world, the candy apples and roller coasters. Candy apples and... Look, Guy, I can't address this weirdness about nausea-inducing rides, but you can get the rest of all of that at the MacStock Conference this summer near Chicago. The MacStock Conference? Yeah. It's being held in Woodstock, Illinois on June 20th, 2015. There'll be great presentations by Alison Sheridan of the NoSillaCast podcast, Mike Potter from the For Mac Eyes Only podcast, Chuck Joyner from Mac Voices, Tim Robertson from TechFan, Eric Erickson, Julie Kuhl, and appearances by a lot of other well-known Mac podcasters and journalists. That sounds fantastic. I wish I was giving a presentation there. Uh, I actually believe you are, Guy. I am? I wonder what it'll be on. Hopefully not roller coasters. No promises. We should get the word out about this. Well, I think this is where Mike Potter jumps in and tells us all about it. Hey, everyone. Come to the MaxDoc Conference and Expo on June 20th in Woodstock, Illinois. It's going to be a day of community and information for Mac and Apple users unlike anything else out there. Easy to get to, inexpensive, and packed full of the people you know and love from the independent Apple Press. Just go to MacStockExpo.com for more information. If you sign up soon, there's great discounts off the regular admission price. Remember, that's the MacStock Conference and Expo at MacStockExpo.com. Mm-hmm. 